You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Brian Noctical, Logistics Product Management and Business Development for Boston Dynamics. As the supply chain industry continues to evolve, so too does the technology created to serve it. Increasingly, that technology has come to include automation and robotics, development which is poised to reshape the field for the next century. What can businesses do to prepare their companies and employees for that evolution? Brian Noctigal of Boston Dynamics gives us his perspective on the utility of robots in and out of the warehouse. Joining me today is Brian Noctigal, Logistics Product Management and Business Development for Boston Dynamics. Brian, thank you so much for joining the Inbound Logistics Podcast today. Thanks, Jeff. Really nice to be speaking with you. It's great to have you. A lot of stuff that uh, you're working on is, is super interesting, so I want to get into that. But before we get started, uh, how are you holding up with uh, everything that's going on uh, regarding the, the pandemic? You know, we're, um, we're probably in a really good spot, Boston Dynamics. And I mean, it's, it's obviously difficult for everybody and, and certainly hope everybody out there is, is safe, everybody's family is safe and, and getting by. But uh, we are, you know, fortunately, you know, in a position where, you know, we're kind of early on in, in the development of a lot of our business. And so uh, close relationships with our customers and, you know, those um, so those discussions and conversations have continued to go well. And, you know, Boston Dynamics has a, a pretty deep history and the, the simulation software and the tools that we use for that sort of thing. And so, you know, honestly, it was, it was uh, difficult, I think, with our engineers being gone for a few months earlier this year um and then they're and they're very happy to be you know you know those that are you know, can be safe you know, safely distanced back in the office and working you know in the physical world and now that not in the, the simulation space but uh we were able to make uh some really good progress despite everybody working remotely uh given a lot of the, the tools and the kind of foundation that boston dynamics has behind you know the behind the cool robots that you see and so as a company, I think we've been able to, to weather it pretty well, and we're and we're on a really good good trajectory. But uh, you know, we're certainly hoping things get back to normal as soon as possible. Definitely, cool robots also very definitely, um, and uh, robots that aren't susceptible to the virus, which is great. But um, uh, tell me a little bit about your background in robotics and logistics, and uh, maybe a little bit about what you are actually doing with Boston Dynamics today. Yeah, sure. So my background, I've been at Boston Dynamics for a bit over a year uh, here managing, you know, managing our logistics business on the, the product management business development side of things and, uh, and really kind of developing our, our business here. Um, you know, we're, we're a company that has a deep history in research and development and developing, you know, robotics for, um, uh, for, for defense contracts and that sort of thing. But uh, now here, you know, under under our current ownership and for the past you know, number of years, we've been turning the corner towards being a commercial business and, and building that business is uh, is a really, you know, it's a it's a fun and exciting thing. Uh, getting to work with cool robots, talking to customers about, you know, exciting projects. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I find uh, moving boxes around in warehouses really exciting. Uh, maybe maybe not everybody does. Some people might find the stuff that our that our spot robots is, are doing is, is more sexy and exciting. But uh, but hey, I, I find warehouses thrilling. But uh, my my background is prior to Boston Dynamics, I'd worked at Cognex Corporation for about five years and, and led their 3D vision products business. 
uh, while at uh, while at Cognex. Cognex is a, a leader in the machine vision space. Uh, you know, doing a lot of background in in manufacturing and inspection and barcode reading and that sort of thing. And you know, that company has gotten into logistics space as well. So uh, that was really kind of how I got into you know the world of automation and, and robotics and that sort of thing, uh, which has led to to working here at Boston Dynamics. Uh, going further back, you know, my my you know, school life, I studied operations research engineering, and uh, so and then took that into the finance and strategy consulting world, working for Bain and Company, and so coming back into the world of you know automation and now supply chain and logistics automation is kind of it feels like it's um, you know making a round trip back to back to what I studied in school when I was an engineer in school. Very cool. Uh, you mentioned Spot. Very cool robot. Let me ask uh, about that in particular. What uh, are some of the cool and unusual things that Spot uh, has done and can do? You know, one of the uh, one of the really fun and exciting things about the Spot program is to see the ecosystem developing of both both customers that are that are finding opportunities and challenges and 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 so. And things that they'd like to solve, and they see this as a platform that can potentially solve these things, as well as the the people who are partnering and kind of joining this ecosystem, whether they be uh, cameras or other hardware solution providers and software solution providers that are all coming together, seeing Spot as a, as a platform where they can build build on, and so it is it, it is fascinating and, and and funny sometimes to see. The types of applications that that Spot is doing, I think, you know, on the on the fun side of things, you think about, you know, we had 20 Spot robots in in the stadium in the seats of a Japanese baseball game, uh, where they you know they have the spots uh, as well as the, the Pepper robots, you know, co- uh, coordinating a, a dance. Uh, given the lack of fans in the stadiums, it gives them. You know, something to something to do in between innings, and that was that was pretty fun. And then um, I think on the other side of things, we've got you know some other you know interesting applications. Everything from in the utility space, in, inspecting a fusion reactor to uh, inspecting rocket ships. And uh, so our you know our field applications team that goes out and helps customers and. And partners in developing these applications, I'm sure they're they're going to have you know a whole uh, a whole list of stories to tell you know for the rest of their lives. I'm sure, and it's it's fun to see. Cool, that's very cool. Um, tell me a little bit about how Boston Dynamics developed and got to where it's uh, creating these cool things today. Yeah, so so like I said earlier, Boston Dynamics has a history in simulation software, and Mark Rebert, who's really kind of a, a leader in an MIT professor in legged robotic systems. When he initially started the company, I believe their, their software products was for some of the first products that they sold. And uh, and then they kind of got into building robots when the Department of Defense and some of the, the DARPA projects that funded building physical robots. And uh, so they did a, n- a number of projects uh, in, to that end. In, uh, in 2013, Google acquired the business, and that's really kind of when the business switched from focusing on on these types of defense research grants and, and projects to that end. They, they turned away from pursuing those and really toward 
commercializing the technology and, and working toward building building robots. And so, uh, in the interim, SoftBank acquired the business and from from Google so about three years ago, give or take. And you know, SoftBank has really you know poured gasoline on the on this fire and you know in getting our products to market. And so that resulted in you know the Spot robot being our first product to market that we're commercializing, and that's kind of the the first representation of our evolution from being a, a research engineering research company to being an industrial solutions company. And so Spot is really the first product that we're launching. We have three platforms. Spot is one of them. Another platform is our Atlas platform, which is our humanoid robot. That is really, we, we compare that to kind of a, our, our Formula One racing team you know it's uh it's there's no plans in the near future to commercialize atlas but it's it's a excellent way to develop technology to really push push the boundaries of what we can do and we are always finding ways to use the both the software tools as well as the hardware uh learnings from the atlas program in our other in our other platforms and then uh, the third platform is logistics. So this is where I spend all my time. Uh, we're uh, really in contrast to Spot, which is a general purpose platform that uh, we're constantly finding new applications for Spot. In the logistics world, we are developing a, a purpose-built robotic solutions for moving boxes and cases around in warehouse settings. So things like you know, unloading and loading containers and trucks and depalletizing and palletizing and, you know, moving boxes around in, in warehouses. Yeah, that's great. Now, when you talk about, uh, say, Atlas, for example, and, and robots in general, um, what does the uh, coming deployment of robots mean for, say, logistic stakeholders and, and just as equally for the human workers uh, in the industry? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, one of the, one of the, Big characteristics in the logistics space is there's there's just an extremely high turnover in this space, and so we we really when we talk about automation in warehouse environments, it's you know I I I don't really like using it because it ends up being a hackneyed term, but this idea of the three Ds, dull, dirty, dangerous, but you do look at some of the some of the jobs. And they're they're not really jobs that that people particularly want to do, and uh, and there's an opportunity to automate those jobs. And what we find is nobody that we talk to is feeling as though as they automate, they need to you know reduce the workforce that they have. They're looking at it as a way to improve the uh, improve their operations, improve the jobs. That their people have, and uh, I think that's where we really see, you know, the opportunity for this. If, if anything, it's it's kind of creating the the jobs or the, there's kind of a new category of jobs they call robot handlers, of where it's the, the people who are managing uh, managing these robots, and it's it's a way for people to to kind of leverage their own abilities. And make sure that we have people doing the things that that really people only people can do, and uh, it's you know we see a real future where uh, where the jobs in in these warehouse settings are 
challenging in a good way. It's it's people who are who are learning new skills, who are you know, developing the ability to manage a warehouse operation, and that warehouse operation will include you know technologically advanced systems and and tools and robots and that sort of thing. And I think you know really you know for folks in the warehouse space, there's just there's an opportunity to to really to, to develop and learn how to use these things and uh, you know as as the industry and as the technology develops uh, they're, they're just there's just going to be more and more opportunity there I think what we see in terms of the the, the owners of, and operators of warehouses what we see as such a big opportunity in the warehouse space is the fact that there's just so little of it is automated. So if you compare it to the manufacturing setting, you know, manufacturing has been, you know, automating for 100 years. Uh, They are, and there's structural reasons why manufacturing is ahead of the curve for that. You know, in a manufacturing setting, you you tend to be working with much less variability. You're you're manufacturing the same uh, widget over and over again, and you can invest in a system that will will you know handle those processes you know over and over again in the warehouse space there are you know a number of structural differences one is just the high the, the greater variability the, the types of packages the types of cases and boxes is different you don't you you open a dock door to a truck and you don't even know what's in there and uh, you need to go in and and be able to be able to unload that truck, and uh, you'll have you know hundreds of thousands of unique items in a warehouse that you need to deal with, and so the, that variability alone is is a difference. But then there's another structural difference in the warehouse space, which is which is the 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 way that the industry is is set up, where a lot of companies will use third-party logistics providers for for their warehouse operations. And those contracts, you know, may only be three to five years long. And a and a uh, an operator of a warehouse is hesitant to invest in automation technology, uh, especially anything that includes you know, fixed infrastructure that needs to be designed and planned and installed and and you know the the time it takes to do that. Um, you know, there, there, there's that structural difference. And then there's also just the, in, uh, the characteristic that in these processes, in these warehouses, they may change their process from year to year. They may use certain dock doors for inbound and other dock doors for outbound. And then a year later, they decide that they want to change their process and use, you know, use, you know, switch where the, where the inbound doors are and where the outbound doors are. And they may need to move where the, um, you know, how their process works. And uh, that's a lot of the structural reasons are why a majority, you know, a great majority of the warehouse space is still managed where, you know, the only, you know, the only fixed infrastructure is a bunch of racks that you can pile pallets in and you have, you know, people driving forklifts around. If you, if you imagine uh, our vision, which is the ability to automate uh, but without the fixed infrastructure to be able to apply mobile robotics, you know, with limited use of conveyors or fencing or all of the 
you know, or, or robotic arms that need to be bolted into the floor, like many of the industrial robotic uh, robotic arms that manufacturing world uses. Um, it just unlocks so much opportunity to uh, to bring automation to this space. And so there's kind of this the mobility and flexibility on that side of things uh, will enable a lot of, of opportunity. And then there's the perception skill set. Uh, we call it perception, but from you know kind of machine vision and the ability to perceive an area that does vary, that does change, to look at a group of boxes and identify how to pick them up, how to manipulate them and move them. Uh, these are the these are the kinds of uh, capabilities that we're bringing to the table, and uh, we see that we see it as really being kind of a, some of these robotics that we're building end up being a keystone to you know, an automation solution that's really going to change how the, how warehouses are operating. Yeah. All right. Well, one of those solutions that you're uh, developing and uh, I think you're pretty excited about is PIC, right? Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? So PIC is, you know, I talk about the vision of where, where we're going with, uh, with mobile robotics and and how some of the pieces of that puzzle come together. One of those pieces, the perception piece, so the, vi- the machine vision or the looking at a setting and, and seeing the box to pick. And uh, that that piece of the puzzle is something that we've decided to use. Uh, you know, we see the demand, we hear from customers that, you know, if you can just, if you can just uh, look at a pallet and, and depalletize, you know, those boxes uh, or singulate the boxes onto a conveyor, uh, there is a niche of customer that has that need and, and enough volume of, particular need um they tend to be retailers that that say hey we have we've got so much volume we've got pallets coming in and we need to singulate them on the conveyors um so while the niche of the market we identified this and said here's an opportunity to bring this system that that we have and we have and we have a best in the world technology and, and product that does this and we can bring this to the market as our first product in the logistics space and develop all the all the other things that we need about you know a a network of in, of partners who can do the system integration work a you know a network of customers who are you know, beginning to work with for real not just doing you know demonstrations and pilots of future technology but uh, start doing real work in their warehouses so we, that pick product effectively it's a, it's a robotic depalletizing system and the part of the system that we're bringing is the camera system and the, and the deep learning algorithms and, and interface to look down at a at a pallet and identify the boxes and simulate those boxes onto the conveyor. So, um, so the, the the real value there is that you don't need to know anything about the pallet uh, when it comes in. You know, if there are systems out there that you know can do something similar when the boxes are pre-trained and you know what's there. But the the benefit to our system is you can kind of put a, whether it's a single skew pallet or a, a rainbow layer pallet or a totally mixed pallet. And we've got sort of the, the experience built into the deep learning algorithm to look down at that pallet, identify the boxes one and and simulate those boxes onto the conveyor to, you know give the robot the instructions to depalletize that and so it is a it is kind of a niche application but 
for those customers that have that need, you know, they love it. And uh, we're developing some really strong partnerships there, developing partnerships with integration integrators uh, who are helping us with, you know, taking our vision system and integrating it with robotic arms and the work cell around it and, and, and the work that needs to be done there. And um, that's been a very helpful uh, you know, first product to the, into this logistics market for us. All right. If it's a niche application, um, what should potential users uh, consider before deploying that technology? Yeah, so I think you know, I mentioned bits and pieces of it, but uh, as somebody looks at their, uh, at their operation, if they're doing a depalletizing as part of, as part of their operation, they'll probably be considering, you know, what, what are the technologies that, uh, that are available to them? Usually if they're considering automation, they're looking at some of the drawbacks of doing it manually, things like the ergonomic challenges, health, you know, health risks to employees of, of doing repetitive tasks, all of that. So they're looking to automate it. And of the, among the technologies that they may have available to them, there are systems like if you know what's going to come in and you can tell the system, here are the boxes that, that are being fed to the robot and the robot can go about depalletizing them. There are, there are solutions out there for that. If you only have same skew pallets or layered pallets, there are systems that can pick a whole layer at a time. And, you know, there are providers out there that can, that can do that and, and they have installed base and, and customers that can, that can do that. One of the drawbacks of that is that it uses, you know, pretty large footprint downstream from the robot because once it places a whole layer, there may be 12, 10 or 12 cases or something on that layer. And then it needs a, there's a, a descrambler that takes a pretty large footprint that then singulates the boxes onto a conveyor after that. So we hear from, we hear from customers who say, you know, we have a layer picker. It's okay. <laughs> it, we're not thrilled about the footprint. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. It, it'll, you know, drop the box in the middle sometimes, you know, things like that. And so I think, you know, customers who say, I have a need, whether it's because I don't know what's, um, I don't know what I'm feeding into the system and I could value a system that just looks down at that pallet and starts picking away uh, or with a footprint issue or, or whatnot, I would say, you know, the, you know, our, the customers who are kind of most excited to be working with us on this particular solution are the ones who say, you know, I've got these these particular challenges, and uh, and this is this happens to be the perfect fit. Well, regarding those customers, then, and you don't have to name names if you don't want to, but can you point to any uh, use cases that are active out there in the wild right now? Well, we do have installed systems out there around the world. We've used, I think, the 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 integrator that we've we've got the longest track record working with is actually a company based out in Japan uh, called IHI. And uh, some of our first systems that were installed were out, were out in Japan uh, working with that integrator. And, you know, here in the United States, uh, Boston Dynamics, uh, we, we acquired a, a startup company that, that kind of began this technology and we've been building upon it. And, Really developing relationships with some integrators here in the United States, and we're we're in the process of we've got a few installed uh, systems that we're installing in the United States, and uh, you know a few integrators that we're developing this kind of part integration partnership. So I think 
over the coming months, um, you can expect to see us start to talk about, you know, our, you know, our network of integrators and who they are and some of these systems that are being installed. You'll start to, you know, we're working on, you know, which ones will allow us to, uh, to go out and go public with, uh, you know, with who they are and, and have some examples. All right. Uh, can you identify uh, some of the larger trends uh, for robotics in uh, warehouse automation and logistics? Yeah, so I, I think I, for, for a while now, there's been a lot of activity in fulfillment centers. And I would say one of, one of my, you know, when, when I do a presentation with slides, I'll, you know, one of the slides I have kind of draws out a supply chain from a manufacturer to a warehouse and a distribution center to a fulfillment center and then, you know, to either a store or a home. And I specifically call out that we're not focused on the fulfillment centers. There's a lot of players out there that are, that are working on automation of being able to do each picking. So, you know, picking up a toothbrush or a, or a lipstick container or an individual item, a bottle of shampoo or something out of a box and placing it into, you know, another box so that it can be you know, shipped. You know, that's a lot of, a lot of the activity that's really taken, you know, the forefront uh, due to the, the boom in e-commerce demand and all of that. Uh, we, we are not really focused on that. There's a lot of companies that are doing that. And I know, I know that there's a lot of attention on that. And I think companies are getting better and better at that. Some very challenging tasks and, uh, and exciting stuff there. Uh, and we, we, to be honest, see our, our opportunity a little bit uh, upstream from that and more kind of at the end of the manufacturing line to the, the distribution centers. In the area where, where we are focused, uh, we see um, there are a number of companies that are attacking this same opportunity of the need for flexibility and mobility. So there are companies that are building autonomous forklifts uh, for for a little, for a while, there's been you know what they call. I think the, the uh, it's it's almost funny to to, to try to follow the uh, the acronyms and what they call things. But I think the last I heard, people would call AGVs an auto uh, auto guided vehicle is something that would follow a preset path. You know, originally there were magnetic strips on the ground, and then they would you know, follow a preset path. Now they call them AMRs. I think when they call it, say AMR, it's autonomous mobile robot, which just means it, does, it no longer needs to follow a preset path. And so if it, if it encounters an obstacle, it can drive around that obstacle. And so there are a number of companies that are working in the AGV and AMR space, whether they're building, you know, like a Kiva or a type of system. And there are a number of, you know, businesses that start up kind of copy, you know, copying that Kiva model to build, uh, just, you know, AMRs that move boxes around. There are they're building AMRs, similar AMRs that can move pallets around, and then the autonomous forklift players that are um, you know taking on that additional challenge of how do I line up the tines of a forklift with a pallet to be able to pick up that pallet from the ground and move it around both horizontally and and vertically, you know, vertically challenge the, the challenge as well as as being able to do the to put away and replenish activity and racks. So. There's a lot of activity in, in that space, and it's exciting to see that developing. Um, we are trying to partner with a lot of those companies, um, given that we move cases around, and they're looking to move um, they're looking to move pallets around. And so, it works out pretty well that we say, "Hey, we we're going to 
you know, pick up and put down boxes and cases and interacting with mobile robots that, where, you know, that we can pick boxes up from or place boxes down onto, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, part of the solution in the future. And then I would say the other, the other kind of trend that we see, and it's, it's a niche still, but it's a growing niche in the market is, is ASRS systems. So autonomous, um, automatic storage and retrieval systems. That's what ASRS stands for. And you see, um, people being very interested in these systems. I think they're probably getting better all the time, but it's more of a, an automated way to either store a pallet or a case and then go and retrieve that pallet or case. And what we see, you know, I would say how I connect that to the work that we're doing is that there's an opportunity kind of on the inbound and outbound side of the ASRS systems. So we are, we are kind of both looking at the market and saying there's an enormous market of legacy warehouses we call brown brownfield warehouses where that are that are mainly operated manually that we can go in with a flexible solution and provide automation to them in a scalable way where they can deploy a few robots and then expand to deploy more and more robots over time um, without all the fixed infrastructure and then there's this growing niche of the market where people are uh, embarking on these long projects to uh, to create an ASRS warehouse. So on the inbound and outbound side of that warehouse uh, or of that system, there's a need to both you know, feed feed cases into the system or or you know pick cases or bring cases out of the system. Um, so. Whether it's you know depalletizing at the end of a pallet ASRS or depalletizing on the inbound side of a case ASRS or palletizing on the outbound side of a case ASRS, um, you know we see we see opportunities in in all of those, and these are uh, probably you know some of the trends that uh, that folks are seeing you know as they as they're looking to looking to automate their processes. Has the the landscape changed at all uh, in light of the pandemic? So, um, you know, to be honest, a lot of these efforts are uh, have been ongoing and they continue to be ongoing. I think that, you know, there's a lot of talk of, oh, with the pandemic, you know, we want to try to have people touching the product less. And so that should be a driver of automation and robotic systems and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's, it's probably helped, you know, just in terms of people talking about it, but this market has been growing uh, so quickly and there's been, there has already been a lot of attention on it. And um, so honestly, I think the, the players and the companies, you know, you know, both startups and established players and investors who are you know, building technology and companies, you know, early adopter companies that are, you know, trying to be kind of innovation leaders and, and to, to adopt this stuff. We, a lot of this industry has already been kind of just running as fast as it possibly could go, even, even before this pandemic. I would say the pandemic shines a light on some of the challenges because, you know, they were already having a difficult time, um, you know, recruiting, you know, operators of warehouses were already having a difficult time recruiting and hiring enough people. And then that just gets that much harder. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to hire and recruit. It's always been hard to hire and recruit. You know, if you're 
if you're in one of these hot spots, you know, where there's 20 warehouses in a rural area, three hours away from a metropolitan center, there's, they're having a challenging time finding people to, uh, to staff that warehouse. And, uh, so I think it's, it's maybe shined a flashlight on the issue for, from people that, uh, that, that aren't already paying attention to it, but it's, uh, it's been a hot topic, I think for, for a while. Cool. Uh, then what should my audience be paying attention to uh, as we head into 2021, say? Uh, well, I think um, I think it's interesting to see the, you know, yes, I would love for them to be paying attention to us and what we're doing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, as, as Boston Dynamics, uh, you know, just to, to, to give, you know, I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to kind of, uh, introduce you know, the company to your audience here, uh, but I would certainly love for more and more people to see Boston Dynamics as an industrial solutions provider and a player in this logistics space. Um, and then I think, you know, and I, and I do think we're going to be coming out and you know, coming going public with some of the exciting stuff that we have uh, that, that we've been working on for a while, and we've only been really talking to our, our very closest long, you know, long-standing customer relationships about. And so, you know, keep your eye out for that. And uh, industry-wide, I would say that, you know, there's, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on and, um, and just pay attention to the developments in autonomous uh, forklift uh, and pallet moving, uh, the autonomous mobile robot space, uh, the ability for companies to, to de- deploy, you know, a fleet of robots and, and doing this, and then I think, uh, I think, I think more and more there's this uh, this trend towards using ASRS systems and figuring out how to how to go from using some of these technologies in a pilot way uh, or a redundant way to really figuring out how to use these um, as as a true part of their operations. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how how people do that, and you know, following the industry and um, and and seeing you know how the, how some of the technology leaders are starting to come out and say, you know, here and, and go public with what they're doing, and be you know, being proud of what they're doing, and being leader, leaders in that space, and seeing. And then it'll be interesting to see other other folks gaining more and more interest as these technologies go from being cool futuristic technologies to being really used in in the uh in 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 real world operations a a lot of robotics is about things that you thought you know they you know quote they should be able to do that it seems like they should be able to do that and it's always harder than it seems uh because there are you know details and challenges what's really interesting is that you know with you know, some of the deep learning techniques and the the availability of you know internet connectivity everywhere and cloud tools and all of this, you're starting to see things that you know maybe five or ten years ago ago you thought, oh, they should be able to solve that. And of course it's harder, uh, but you're starting to see these things uh, become real. Um, and it's and it's really fun to see the um, uh, the you know, both, I, I find it, you know, fascinating and really fun to see what my company, what Boston Dynamics is doing, but really across the industry, 
uh, it's fun to see these kinds of tools uh, and rob- uh, you know, robots and, app- and uh, automation applications start to become real and start to become things that really can handle the variability and the flexibility that is needed to be uh, to be really useful useful tools in the space. And so, I would say, you know, it's just accelerating. There's a lot of attention in the industry on it, and it's a it's an absolute you know, fascinating industry to be a part of. I'm, I'm certainly loving it. And, um, and, uh, I would say for everybody who is involved, you know, keep just, just enjoy the, enjoy the ride and let, let me know if you'd like to participate and, and know more about, about what we're doing and, and what other folks are doing. That's awesome. Definitely fascinating. Sounds very, very fun. Uh, speaking of, uh, enjoying the ride and, and, uh, following along, where can the audience go to find out more about what Boston Dynamics is doing uh, in the space, whether that be Pick or Spot or Atlas or whatever else you got going on? Yep, a- absolutely. I would say you know the best bet is um, you know get on our website bostondynamics.com, and you know there's opportunities to contact us. There are forms you can go in there and say you know which uh, which platform you're interested in. If uh, you know if if you say you're interested in Pick or or Handle then uh, it'll probably come across you know, somebody on my team's desk and uh, you know we'll, we'll certainly look forward to hearing from you and, and finding out um, just explore I guess exploring what you know how you see the you know, your your challenges or your solutions or what, what you'd like to do and uh, love to talk with you about it Awesome. Brian Knockville, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk. Best of luck to Boston Dynamics and uh, I hope to see Spot out there really soon yeah, I think uh, I think we just started a few months ago, maybe. Uh, I can't remember exactly when, but we started selling them uh, through our our online e-commerce platform. So I think all you need is seventy five thousand dollars, and you can have one. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bitly slash get il. That's bit dot l y slash get underscore i l and stay ahead of the 3pl game the inbound logistics podcast is a production of inbound logistics magazine for the most in-depth information around logistics transportation and supply chain practices Get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.